Welcome to From There to Here with your host, Miranda Dekonsky. Together, we'll explore our personal journeys and how they have impacted where we are today. We hope that you'll walk away inspired, motivated, energized, and knowing that there is no right or wrong path. Each path is uniquely our own. And now your host, Miranda. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of From There to Here. I am your host, Miranda Dekonsky, and today I am so excited and to be and honored to be speaking with my good friend, Elizabeth Andrew. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining me. I cannot tell you how excited I am to talk to you today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Miranda. It's always so great to see you and catch up, and um, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, and for those that don't know, Elizabeth and I work together at Hello Sign, uh, and we already talked for 20 minutes before I hit record, and I knew that we had to hit record soon because every time Elizabeth and I get together, it's <laughs> it's like nonstop catching up in conversation, like picking up where we left off. Uh, for those that don't know you, Elizabeth, can you tell us a little bit about you, what you do, uh, where you grew up, where you're from, all that fun stuff? Sure. Yeah. I um, So I'm from the Bay Area. I grew up in, in the East Bay, um, born and raised, just spent, um, you know, my whole life out here um, and started out my, I have a very unusual mm. I started out in the investment industry um, and was transferred to the East Coast as an institutional mutual fund wholesaler calling on stockbrokers out in the Boston area, um, which was that's a whole story in itself. But um, it took me to the East Coast, which ended up being for 20 years. When I moved east, my family said, go for two years, have a great time, don't fall in love. Uh, I ended up marrying a New Yorker and and spent 20 years out there, 17 years as a stay-at-home mom. Wow. And so I returned to the Bay Area in 2011 with my family and decided my kids are getting a little older and time to get back to work and decided to relaunch a career in tech at at almost 50 years old with no tech background in San Francisco. And was the interview that you had at LSI, was that your first role when you were relaunching your career? No, I had. So, you know, it was baby steps. Yeah. It was impossible, by the way, that I mean... Just, I want to hear about that. Let's talk yeah, about that because you you have built you've built a really awesome platform that's incredibly inspirational, um, and I think it's so relevant to what a lot of folks are going through. Uh, for the record, you know, I know a lot of women who decide to stay at home uh, with their children and then just struggle to get back at it. And I think you're a, a true success story. So, would love to hear all about that. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's impossible. It's very, very, it's, I think it's getting easier now with the great resignation, but, um, you know, at the time 2011, when I was moving back here, um, I was completely unemployable. And, um, in my years at, at, uh, staying home and taking care of the kids, I did a ton of nonprofit work. Um, I had shared, you know, fundraisers. I had done a lot of different things that are harder than anything I've done at work. Uh, but none of that was relevant. It wasn't until I took all of that off my resume that anybody would even talk to me. And uh, it was baby steps, um, a lot of rejection, very, very hard um, to get back um, in. I started out doing consulting work a little bit. I was doing anything I could um, and 
I did some consulting, like placing people in recruiting roles, um, you know, very admin, which is not my strength. I ended up getting a job, believe it or not. And I had been looking for years, uh, getting my first job back at Putnam Investments, working 20 hours a week. And I found the job on Craigslist. And um, I was working for the West Region Director of Sales, and it was my sweet spot. I had been calling on um, investment wholesalers, and so I was really helping enable them um, in the workforce. So got me back in the city. It was perfect with kids. I was working 10 to 2, Monday through Thursday. Um, and I did that for about a year. It just felt like there's no fun to be had in financial services anymore. And so much going on in tech in the, in the Bay Area that as long as I was reinventing myself, why not try tech? So I did. And uh, I ended up finding a job. And interestingly, I had done inside sales, external sales, sales and training and development, sales leadership. I found my first job in tech and sales operations, That's cool. which is, I think it was really, they, they saw the breadth of experience. It was a healthcare tech company, um, you know, and, and so they really were looking more for sales enablement, you know, because I didn't know the tools. But, you know, one thing that I say to a lot of people who are looking to get back is that you can learn the tools in a year. You can't teach 20 years of experience in a year. So So true. That's so true. I write a lot and talk a lot about folks trying to break into customer success or trying to break into tech or startups. And there are a lot of people out there that are struggling. And I think a lot of it has to do with how they position themselves on their resumes um, and also just maybe the brand that they're building on LinkedIn or not building. I don't know if, you know, you have any advice for folks that are trying to break into tech. um, What would you say, you know, where should they start? I think the branding is huge. I ended up finding, I think you need to find, and and you are very good at this. And, you know, I've tried to do this myself is, you know, really join outside communities. I ended up joining, I found an organization called, um, the the club of Silicon Valley. And it's a woman's organization down in the peninsula. Um, Somebody had invited me, they were having an annual dinner. So I decided to go. And so I went to the annual dinner. And when I was there, I learned they have a women's leadership incubator. This was 2016. So I applied, they were taking about 10 people. um, And I got into the, the incubator and it was astonishing group of women. I mean, there was a literally a rocket scientist from um, Lockheed Martin. There was a engineering uh, leader from Uber. There was a lawyer for um, clear slide that, you know, it was a really, really impressive group of women. And we meet once a month and it was all about building your personal brand. And, you know, um, there was, it was all structured, the program and it was phenomenal. And, you know, I think that really helped me make a presence. Um, the one area I would disagree with you on is the, how they position themselves on the resume, because when you're in that position, you can't even get your resume in front of anyone. Mm. You know, so much if you're applying online, forget it. You know, it's, and that's why I got that first job on Craigslist. It just goes into a black hole. Like you can't even get your resume in front of a hiring manager, let alone make it relevant. You're right. You're, you're absolutely right. And thanks for calling me out on that because I, I posted a post yesterday on LinkedIn and for the first time ever, it's been featured by LinkedIn news. Um, And it was about the mistakes that folks make. Um, when they're applying for roles. And one of the stats that I did call out was on average, recruiters or hiring managers spend five to seven seconds looking at a resume. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's pretty low. So what does that tell you? 
it's a lot about who you know and not as much about what you know. Yep. Um, and I know personally, my last few roles, um, I have gotten it through my network, not not right. through applying, right? Right. Um, so it's like building out a network before you need it. Um, right. And, and that's, the cupcake committee wasn't going to help me. <laughs> you know, the PTA or what, you know, and I yeah, yeah. post, even though I grew up here, I was close to 50. So a lot of my, you know, tech is also, I, I, I laugh because I went from being the only woman in the room in the investment industry to the oldest person in the room in tech. <laughs> That's know. like my soul. You're talking to me, to my heart. I am in my forties. Um, and while I am fortunate, the place I'm at now, we have, you know, a pretty diverse, I guess, an age uh, group where I'm at now, but that has not always been the case. Even in my late thirties, sometimes I was the oldest person in the room. (laughs) So tech is young. And there's also this aging out thing that I'm always worried about um, in Silicon Valley. Like, when am I going to be too old to join the series A, series B startups? Right. Right. And, you know, I mean, it's, you know, I'm six months into my role as head of sales at Natomi and um, love it. We are running around with our hair on fire and it's exciting and, you know, but it's exhausting. And I realize, you know, a lot of my colleagues are the same age as my kids, you know. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of thinking back um, a little bit on your journey and thank you for sharing all that you've just shared. I mean, a lot of people are going to get value from this. I hope I'm writing a book. I I was telling you, it's called starting all over again. Oh, how far are you on your book? I have a publisher, but I have some work to do. I'm so excited for you. I cannot wait. Um, make sure you let me know when it's out. I'll help, I'll help you uh, get the word out and share it around. And, um, I'll want an autographed copy, of course. It's taking, of course, it's taking longer just because this year it's been tabled a little bit building, you know, building a startup. Of course, of course. So when you were younger, what did you want to do? You know, it's interesting because I, um, I, I have two older brothers, very storybook family. My father played football for Cal. My mom, you know, was Cal. They met in college and um, my brothers are 18 years older than I am. And I remember like in middle school, my father had a great career in commercial real estate in San Francisco. Um, And I remember going in middle school, uh, literally to the office for summer vacation with my dad and like working for his assistant Um, and, you know, commuting over. We were doing the ride share. I don't know if you've heard about that from the Bay Area, Mm -hmm. ride share over and then the AC transit back. And so I loved being in the city and I loved working and, um, it was, it was really exciting to me. So, you know, I never really, I wasn't one of those kids that thought, Oh, I want to be a, you know, singer when I grow up or something. I, you know, I never really thought about it that way, but I, I did, um, learn really early on about being in the city and having a career in San Francisco and loved it. So, and, and, you know, and then you did, we worked together on market street. I know. I know. The gateway of the tenderloin is what I like to call it. I know. I now do you remember that? Oh Oh my gosh. (laughs) I think, you know, I earned my street cred working in that office. Yeah. We saw some crazy stuff there. I know we did. It's pretty scary if you think about it. I know. 
I know. <laughs> Back then it was just when, life. When we were we were quarantined in the office one day. Because, yeah, because there was a shooting at the subway below um, and somebody uh, unfortunately passed away, but it was a police officer involved shooting and they locked our building down and we couldn't get out. Yeah. Um, that was really scary. <laughs> I, I think about it now and I'm like, in the moment, it was just life, you know? Right. But anyway, I digress. Um, that was a very interesting. So that was my first. So to answer your question, I, I spent a year, well, just shy of a year at this healthcare tech startup. Um, it was, it had raised $14 million um, and essentially ran out of funding and ended up going bankrupt. So I found myself in a job search and that's when I found HelloSide. And I found that job on um, AngelList. Um, but, you know, it was, that felt like a startup. It was, it was a startup in the truest form. And yeah. we had, I mean, we had so much fun there. We worked hard. Uh, it was like, we had this family environment right out of the gate for most regards. Um, we weren't perfect, but... Yeah. You know, I look back very fondly mm-hmm. on my time there, um, the the things that I was able to learn and, and help build and be a part of. And, um, you know, we were talking before we pushed record, like I remember interviewing you and I was like, we need her here. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember her being a very tough interview. <laughs> well, hopefully this isn't as tough. So no, no. Uh, kind uh-huh. of thinking uh, back on your journey. Um, and one of the things I'm trying to do with this podcast is just normalize the idea of like, look, journeys aren't linear. They're up, they're down, they're over, they're around. We make mistakes. We, you know, I think people put out like these visions of perfection and it doesn't prep others when they have ups and downs. They're like, wait, is something wrong with me? Everybody else's journey is so perfect. You can see yeah. it. It's all perfect, but that's not true. Like we, it's not true. And, and there is, you know, struggles along the way. So thinking about your journey, is there a mistake that you made in your, you know, either at work or in your personal life that you think kind of changed the trajectory of where you are or helped you with a big learning or anything like that? Um, gosh, I mean, how many mistakes, how much time do we have? <laughs> I know. Let me pull out the sofa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I think um, the the a lot of those mistakes and challenges were in those reentry years. But you know, there was also I I know one thing I know about myself. I'm a mom. I'm good at wearing a lot of hats. I prefer startups. I like working cross-functionally. So after HelloSign was acquired by Dropbox, I stayed for a year, learned a lot, went through the whole transition. Um, I had started advising an early stage startup, um, you know, in the, in the fall and I ended up joining, but there were only about five people and it wasn't a good fit. You know, I'd say that. And that was in February, right before the pandemic. Um, And I knew right away. It was not the right fit. And then the pandemic hit. And so I ended up leaving there, um, without another job. in um, I think it was May or June of 2020 took the summer with my kids and, you know, but probably should have done a little more due diligence on whether that was the right fit for me. But yeah, I've had, I have, um, I'm not going to name any names, but I have one or two of those on my resume where I thought I had done enough due diligence, 
But then when I got there, I'm like, holy smokes. I was seeing all the shiny, sparkly things, Mm -hmm. um, but hadn't dug in enough to really understand what was going on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's one of the things that I've walked away with where I do so much due diligence when I joined because that impacted my mental health significantly to where I'm like, oh, I've signed up for this and I need to stay here and stick it out. And um, it was very difficult. Uh, so, and I, you know, I was sharing with you before we got on this. I mean, I have come to the conclusion when I evaluate a company, the single most important thing to me. And, you know, I, I ask that to people, candidates I'm interviewing, you know, what are you looking for in your next, next opportunity? And you always hear about culture, you hear about product market fit, you hear about, um, growth opportunities, And there's no right or wrong answer. I mean, I'll make that clear. But for me, the single most important thing in an opportunity is who I work directly for. Yeah. They either support you or they don't. And, you know, if if you've got, uh, you know, somebody that you report to and my CEO now and my CEO and my last company were both incredible. They were brilliant. And, you know, I felt supported. So it makes you want to do your best work, right? It does. It does. It does. So kind of under that vein, who's the best manager you think you've ever had and what made them that for you? I would say either my CEO now, Puneet Mehta, or, um, you know, or my last CEO, Alexandra Connell at Pluma. Um, she was phenomenal. Um, you know, brilliant, brilliant. Um, Princeton undergrad, Harvard MBA, smart as a whip. Um, and I joined um, in, I guess it was late 2019, very excited about the startup thing. Um, and a couple of weeks later, she had her first baby and came back in, in, uh, January and essentially said, I think I want to sell the company because I don't want to work hundred hours a week anymore. And, you know, understandably. So, so we were acquired last July, which happened sooner. I was only at the company for a year because we were six months in acquired and, um, but she was phenomenal. I would, I would follow her anywhere. Um, and you know, this far, I feel the same way about Puneet. He's, um, he's, he is really exceptional. I, I know, um, that the customer support organization at Natomi reached out to you, which had nothing to do with me, uh, you know, for uh, a thought leadership um, acknowledgement, which is amazing. Um, I don't know how much they shared with you. Puneet actually is a category creator. He mm-hmm. built the very first bot ever. The origin story is very, very cool. Um, he decided he wanted a machine and, and I'll just take a minute on this, a machine that could communicate with people. Um, this is before Natomi and he was working with a couple of developers and he said, I want to study like dating conversations and the most well-written comic books and make it extremely conversational. So they figured it out. So he went to Sony and he said, I will build a bot for you for free if you give me a high value product line. And so they gave him a hundred million dollar movie, which was Goosebumps. You heard? Oh, of- <laughs> yeah. So he built a bot for the character that Jack Black plays. I think it's Slappy or something. Um, I haven't seen the movie myself, but um, the average time that people were engaging with the bot was ten minutes. The longest conversation was two hours. For real, no- nobody knew it was a bot. Um, so you know, it 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 was. Um, 
you know, and, and the story goes on. I mean, I could take you down that that path. It, it's like one of those like the social network kind of stories of uh, founders in the Silicon Valley. But um, you know, the thing is, is, since then there's been a million first generation chatbots that have come out that are actually hurting the customer's experience. You know, yeah, yeah. Right. I have mixed feelings. I have such mixed feelings about chatbots, um, and when done well, they're great, um, but they can totally unintentionally kill your bottom line because people feel just not cared for. Right. <laughs> so yeah. So we're trying to change that. And that was actually Jeffrey Katzenberg, um, the, you know, previous co-founder and, and CEO of DreamWorks. And, um, and he was Disney media chairman. Um, and he's the founder of Wonderco, which is a venture capital firm. And he was home with his family a couple of years ago and he was ordering, food delivery on a bot. And, you know, it said, Hey, did you get your food? And he said, yes, but it was two hours late. Was it good? Yes, but it was two hours late. Was it on time? No, it was two hours late. You know, you want to be all caps. You're so mad. You just want to throw your phone. Right. Yeah. And he said to himself, I want to solve this. And so his team at Wonderco spent a year and a half um, exploring everything on the market and landed on Natomi to invest in. So what a great story. Yeah. So it's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. So you have really done a lot and I know I keep like singing your praises, but like you spoke on a TEDx talk. Is it TEDx? Yep. Yep. I want to hear a little bit about that experience before we start wrapping up because it is something so fascinating to me. I watch TED talks all the time. I'm sure a lot of people that are listening do. Um, What was that experience like? Like you had to memorize your entire presentation. Is that right? Yes. So it was, um, I'll give you the whole story. So I've done a lot of speaking. I haven't in a couple of years, but I used to do a lot of speaking oftentimes around career reentry. I did a lot of speaking early on in my career when I was, it was, um, field sales and I was selling, you know, institutional mutual funds. So I would be giving a presentation for 500 stockbrokers on things, you know, so, um, and so it was, Somebody reached out to me. Usually when people do a TED talk, you have about six months. Yeah. You apply or, you know, they contact you to do a TED talk. You have about six months to to write it and prepare it and deliver it. And it's very different than any other presentation you'll ever give. Like you said, it's a trajectory trajectory. Um, you know, it's, um, there's, there's a whole format for it. So you have to kind of follow that. Um, so I'm not sure what happened, but, um, at this time in my life, and I want to say it was, I think it was right after the hello sign was acquired by Dropbox and, um, Brian Lawrence, our, our previous VP of sales had left and I was running the sales organization, reporting to Wit Balk, um, the COO and, um, you know, there was a lot of transition. And so I was sort of working hard. You know, it was like a very, very busy time in my life. And um, I got a phone call from somebody who said, would you want to do a TEDx talk in a month? I was like, uh, I mean, it was like the worst time for me to to actually do it, but I knew like, I would never get asked to do that again. Right. Like it's kind of one of those bucket list things. I was like, Oh, well, I have to say yes. So, so I think, you know, it's one of those things that I did. I think that, um, it probably could have been a lot better if I had had six months to prepare. <laughs> uh, Give yourself credit. It was really awesome. Thank um, you. Thank you. And I just, 
you know, I can't, I, I didn't know that you only had a month to prep. So yeah. Holy smokes. That's, yeah. I mean, I was up 24 hours cause I had to, it took me a couple of days to sort of, or I mean a couple of weeks to sort of write it. Yeah. Then to have to learn it and practice and deliver it. Ugh, ugh. Um, kind of fast forwarding a little bit, hundred years out, people are sitting and reminiscing about you and your legacy. What do you want them to remember you for? Resilience, resilience, um, being a good mom, being a good role model for, for people, um, and being brave. Yeah, that you are, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> Giving you like a hugs through the video. I, I know, I know. Thank you. Last question. If you could have dinner with any two people, dead or alive, who would it be and why? My dad, who passed in 2016, without without question. Um, probably my parents, to be honest. My mother's still alive. Um, she's turning 92. She's got dementia. So, you know, to go back and have dinner with my parents again, I think, when they were both lucid would be wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much for spending the time with me today. I appreciate you, our friendship over the years and like just so thankful for you um, joining me. I know that it took us a while to get this on um, with both of our banana pants schedules. (laughs) I know it's funny. The first thing you said to me when we were on the phone earlier is I'm tired and I'm like, I'm tired too. But I was like, I can't push this again. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, Elizabeth, thank you again for spending the time with me today. Thank you so much, Miranda. Thanks for listening today. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of From There to Here. Check back weekly for new episodes. For more conversations about this episode and more, please feel free to follow Miranda on LinkedIn. See you soon.